This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to another episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We're your host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. With our first official game preview podcast of the year, Michael, how good does it feel to have football back in your life? It feels great. I'm, I've just already gotten tired of reacting to all the practice box scores and the tweet play-by-play, so I'm ready to watch some real football against a different team. Yeah, and, and real Jets football, I think, that this year, in comparison to last year, and you can go keep going further back, this is an exciting time to be a Jets fan. I think I've said that phrase 117 times this entire offseason. And to now finally get to see it on the field is, is going to be great for all Jets fans. Um, as long as everybody stays healthy, that's the one caveat. Uh, there were a few injuries this week at practice. It doesn't sound like Elijah Vera Tucker is going to play. Elijah Moore might not play. But Zach Wilson is what everybody's paying to watch, and uh, he will play. But the Giants are not going to be playing uh, the majority of their starters. Daniel Jones is not going to play. They said they're going to treat this uh, more like it was the fourth preseason game in in years past where there are four preseason games. This will be the backup's opportunity to prove um, themselves, whereas they'll use the third third and final preseason game to have their starters play you know, maybe three quarters or whatnot of the game. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic, maybe a favorable dynamic for Zach Wilson to have a good debut. Michael, what are your thoughts on that, that approach by Joe Judge and the Giants of having their backups play uh, the majority of the first game and their starters playing the, the last game? I, th- I think it's an interesting one. And it definitely makes the fact that they're approaching it differently than the Jets sets up a really interesting scenario. And, and like you mentioned, I think the biggest factor in that is – Zach Wilson will have a chance to maybe have a favorable start to his career, which of course, down the line, you need him to play well against first team guys and starters anyway. And he'll probably get that chance in the Packers game, but uh, it will be an interesting scenario because Wilson will be facing subpar talent compared to the team the Jets put on the field. So it'll, it will be a good chance for him to go out there uh, and have a confidence inspiring performance uh, for himself uh, to start out his preseason career. But in terms of whether it's the right move or not, I don't know if it matters too much. It is just kind of a different style, different way of going about it. There, there are other things Joe Judge and the Giants do that, you know, I'm not a huge fan of in terms of sprints and laps and all that stuff. But in, in, in terms of this, I think it, it, it's just a different way to approach it. I don't know if there's a huge impact one way or the other. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to get their essentially their scrimmage game in at some point and they'll have their backups playing time just ordering it in a different way. So yeah, um, it, just a different way of going about it. I guess they're kind of, their argument is they're ramping up, you know, the, the involvement of the starters and it kind of, it's a natural progression instead of having them 
play a lot. And then that last week they don't play. And then by the time they hit the field week one, they haven't you know played together in three weeks or whatnot. But one, I think it gives your backups more of an opportunity to, to get acclimated throughout all of training camp, battle it out, and then have that final preseason as their final stamp of, of approval on the roster. Cause that's what that game is for. It's for evaluating. And can the giants really make a lot of determined evaluations off this one game? Obviously they can make some, but the end of camp, that's, that's, you know, you can put your stamp on it. The other thing is, you know, for a lot of teams, if there's an injury in that final game, uh, generally it's, it won't be your starters playing. So your starters get an extra a week to, to recover or whatnot from injuries. But in general, um, we would normally be doing, you know, matchups we're excited to watch and, um, you know, do a full comprehensive breakdown and talk about both teams, but because the Giants are playing their backups and this is the Jets opening game and this is a Jets podcast, Michael, let's talk about some Jets centric storylines. If you have any giant stuff that you want to bring up, that's, that's fine. But I don't think it's worth talking about um, matchups considering we don't really know who the Giants are going to play. We just know that it'll be mostly their backups. I will say the Jets better play well because uh, the one, the one bad part about this is if the Jets suck against the Giants backups, it's going to give the, uh, the crosstown rivals some, um, some, you know, some material, um, I would say outside of Zach Wilson, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, the number one storyline I'm looking forward to watching. And I guess it's two sides of the same coin. Mekhi Becton going up against a different pass rusher and Carl Lawson going up against a different offensive tackle. Obviously those two have been battling it out all the training camp. It seems like Carl Lawson has had a bit of his number, but it does favor the defensive line. Michael, from each of those players, what are some of the things that you will be looking forward to, to watching in this game? Well, I'll mostly be focusing on Becton. It's definitely going to be great to see him get a chance to block somebody else because, you know, we're all expecting him to have a breakout season this year, uh, elevate from being good to one of the best left tackles in the league. And obviously he hasn't given us much reason to believe he can do that with what's happening in training camp because of his struggles again. Well, not, not that he has given us much reason to, he just hasn't gotten the hype going because Lawson has been beating him up so much. But Carl Lawson is Carl Lawson. He's one of the best pass rushers in the league. He had the fourth most pressures among edge rushers last year. So it's, you know, to, to be expected. And he's built to be a good matchup against Becton. He dominated tall left tackles last year. He knows how to get beneath those guys uh, and use his speed and his leverage advantage to, to defeat them. He had, a 21% pressure rate against left tackles who are six, seven or taller last season, um, which is more than double the league average for edge rushers and is an astronomically high rate. That's extremely good. So he's built to defeat guys like Becton. So it's not too surprising to see him doing what he's doing. So to see Becton go up against somebody else and finally put that, you know, year two breakout hype train, get it going a little bit. Uh, it'll be fun to see him get the chance to do that. And we don't really know who he's going to face, like you said, because, you know, we don't know how much the starters will play or the maybe Ojalari. Yeah, possibly. That would be a good matchup. But a guy who Becton is built to be, that's what we, Becton did better against last season. Outside linebackers, guys who stand up, rush with speed. Um, that's the type of guy that he does a little bit better against. So uh, it, it, that would be an interesting matchup. But either way, he's probably going to be facing a backup. Even if the, he does face the starters, Giants do not have a good edge rush, probably one of the worst edge rushing groups in the league. So it will be a chance for him to go out there and build some momentum going into the season. And then from Lawson's perspective, we'll see who he faces. Could be Andrew Thomas if he's the if they play the first team offensive line at all. Um, could be Nate Solder. But either way, I don't think either of those guys are as good as Becton. So 
it, he should continue to dominate. And I think he is just going to dominate everybody this season. He is that good. And we're just getting a glimpse of it uh, in training camp. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see. I mean, Robert Sala says the Jets starters. I mean, he was referring to Zach Wilson, but I'd imagine the other starters are lumped into this should play about a quarter. Um, just, I mean, I guess that would you know depend on how many snaps they get in the first quarter, how well they're playing. Um, but I feel bad for Mike Glennon because this Jets defensive line is, is definitely very good. Say what you want about the rest of the Jets team, but I would, you know, put the Jets defensive line up against uh, pretty much every other team's offensive line. And I feel like the Jets um, have a, a, you know, at least a chance of, of winning reps there. The Jets for, for the first time in a long time, are going to have a sustainable pass rush, um, which is exciting. The Jets have had good defensive lines in the past, but they've been more run stoppers. Um, but in this Robert Sala aggressive attacking pass rush heavy defensive line. I'm really excited to see what it looks like. And Saturday will be the, the first glimpse of it. Um, I, if you want to stick on the offensive line, the other thing, the, one of the competitions of this camp, which is a bit of a surprising competition, I guess I would say when, when Morgan Moses was signed, a lot of people assumed that he was going to be handed the starting job. He had a great season uh, with Washington last year. He's a great run blocker and George fan who, you know, is a ideal scheme fit. A lot of fans were not, fans of of the signing when it took place last year i think he performed maybe better than some people expected but was still below average to average um but there's a true competition there i mean even on the depth chart there's just a uh, slash separating them not one guy has been declared with the first or the second team i would imagine moses gets the first reps but I, they might you know alternate by series uh, i guess michael what are your thoughts on that competition and how it can play out on saturday yeah, I guess this is going to be – I think this is one of the biggest battles of the preseason because, like you said, it seems as even as it could get in that first official or unofficial depth chart that was released. They didn't even label a first and second team right tackle. They just put them together in the first team with a slash between them. The only um, two guys in the roster who had that. So it does seem like an even competition. You have Moses, a guy who is very durable and experienced and – has better production than Fant, but he comes in after being released into his 30s and didn't sign the biggest deal in the world. So obviously he didn't get too much demand on the open market. He's making about the same money as Dan Feeney will this year, whereas George Fant was a high-priority signing for Joe Douglas last year. He's going to have the third biggest cap hit on the team this year. So it is interesting, the discrepancy in, in value and in money, in terms of money for these two guys and how that compares to their talent and their not necessarily talent, but their production throughout their careers. But then you have the scheme fit uh, part of it, which like you said, Fant, his athleticism is great for this scheme. Moses definitely can fit the scheme, but it's just a dream fit for Fant really in terms of what he can do. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to watch these two guys and who they put out first on Saturday. I, I would assume it'd be Moses just because he's been healthier throughout camp and been, and been playing, but um, either way, both these guys, I would, I would also think that they would give them both kind of equal first team run throughout the entirety of the preseason, just so they can kind of evaluate them on the same plane. Right. Maybe fan starts the next game. Right. And then could even rotate them drive to drive in the next game. Right. So it's going to be, this is going to be fun to watch because either way you're getting a really good backup out of this. No, there are not going to be many teams who could say their backup tackles as good as George fan or Morgan Moses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the interior of the Jets offensive line may struggle with some depth currently at the moment with with the injuries that have that have gone on there. But the the tackle position should be, you know, is a, is a pretty comfortable spot for the Jets at, at the moment. Uh, I, I guess preseason obviously doesn't matter in terms of 
the results. I guess it's just the best place to see the depth of your team. As Robert Sala said, it's a good watermark uh, for your team. It's, you know, your, your chance to put out a statement to the rest of the NFL. And that's, I guess, how this game should be viewed. So while the Jets starters should handle business against the Giants backups, the result isn't as important as, as the, uh, the individual plays and players. Um, the, the matchup outside of Becton and Lawson and watching that whole, you know, uh, those two positions that I'm, that I'm excited to watch is the Jets cornerbacks versus the Giants receivers in this has been a little watered down because the Giants might not be playing their, their starters that much, but the Giants have a solid receiving core better with their starters, but you know, Kadarius, Tony, the rookie, imagine he would have to play. I'm bummed Elijah Moore might not play because I think it would be great to see those two uh, in the same game, considering the Giants passed on Elijah Moore to take Tony. Um, but Michael, what are you looking forward to seeing from this, uh, from these corners against the, this Giants uh, offense? Well, it's been interesting because it feels like the corners have played a lot better than we expected throughout training camp. It's been more even between the receivers and the corners than we expected, other than Elijah Moore and Corey Davis, who have generally been great throughout the majority of training camp. It feels like the corners have made a lot of plays. Eccles, um, Bryce Hall especially, has been the best. It seems like every day he's making a big play. And the two times I was there, lucky enough to see him play in person, he was very consistently good. So Bryce Hall has been great. Brandon Eccles, we've seen flashes from guys like Dunn, Carter II, um, and also Jason Pinnock. So it feels like they have not been as much of an atrocity against a pretty solid receiving group that the Jets seem to have and deep. Um, throughout training camp. And deep, and that's another thing, because that, that's a really important aspect of it, because down the depth chart, even your second and third team corners are playing against guys who, you know, Denzel Mims was starting for the Jets last year. Keelan Cole starting for the Jaguars. Well, Keelan Cole has been first team, but Braxton Berrios was starting for the Jets last year. So Elijah Moore is playing second and third team, and we know what he can do. So it's a deep group, and everyone's getting challenged on, in this young cornerback group, and they've been okay, and they've made a nice amount of plays and competed with this wide receiver group. So that's promising. Um, so it will be interesting to see what they can do against a Giants team that probably – if they don't play their starters, um, will not be putting out the best group of talent out there. Probably not as good as what they've been going up against in practice with the Jets first, second, even third team receivers. So um, it will be interesting to see if the momentum they've built in training camp carries over to the real games because they haven't been in training camp, the enormous weakness that it seemed like they uh, still could be. Yeah, and speaking of receivers down the depth chart, Denzel Mims has been a huge storyline this training in camp does mims need a, a a good game to to silence the that criticism or do you think that the jets uh patient approach with denzel mims might include him maybe having to catch two catches not really getting that involved do you think this is a big game for mims and do you think he'll play a lot of snaps i don't i feel like it's not a big game or even the preseason isn't that huge for him in the sense that i don't think he has any chance of not making the team and i also don't think there's a chance that he starts. I think it's pretty set in stone that he's going to be a second, probably the backup X receiver to Corey Davis. He'll probably come in in some packages if you put three, four receivers out there and, you know, primarily be maybe coming in red zone situations or short yardage, third, fourth down, um, just a, a situationally used third or fourth option. I think it, there isn't really much chance for him to move. Corey Davis is going to start. Elijah Moore, you assume will, even though he wasn't, uh, put him on the first team in that first depth chart, um, which, which is probably just standard practice because he's a rookie. You assume he's going to be a starting receiver. 
And then probably seems like either Crowder or Keelan Cole will be that third uh, receiver when you go to 11 personnel, generally, primarily. So, and then in terms of him getting cut or traded, I just don't see any chance of that. And it doesn't seem like that he is on that bubble. He's just rotating like everyone else is outside of those three starters, Cole, Crowder, and Davis. So I don't think his roster spot is in jeopardy. And I also don't think he necessarily has a chance to start. So I don't feel like the preseason is that huge in the sense that there's an opportunity for him to move, but at the same time, it would be promising to see him, you know, silence all of that talk and just yeah. show us what we know he's capable of. Yeah. It feels like it's a little bit more important for the fans and and look, it's going to come down to who's throwing in the ball. Uh, and before we get to Zach Wilson, I guess we should talk a little bit about that backup quarterback competition. How do you think they'll split up the reps between white Morgan and Josh Johnson? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Josh Johnson comes in because obviously he hasn't played in uh he didn't play in the green and white scrimmage. And as far as I know, or has been reported, doesn't seem like he's played in any team drills yet either. So they haven't been able to, so maybe he won't play in this game will be worked in second, third game, maybe not even till the third. Game. He, he may have taken a few snaps in team drills this week. Yeah. And, and even if it has been, it's only been a little bit. So it will be interesting to see how, if he gets in there, if he has a real chance of making the rosters that backup quarterback, or if he's just there right now as an extra body for some veteran leadership. Um, but that's going to be fun to watch too, because we're going to get to see James Morgan for the yeah. first time. It's, it's, he's basically a rookie as well. Yeah. He's going to be getting his first NFL action uh, of any kind, which is, it's very odd for a rookie to, you know, stay healthy throughout his rookie season, but get no real football at all, not even preseason, but those were the circumstances we got last year. So James Morgan will be out there for the first time and it's going to be very intriguing to see what that looks like a guy who's, you know, a second year player, but also is on the field for the first time, but you know, was healthy enough to keep practicing throughout a whole season. So um, he has a minor experience advantage, but it's also his first time out there. Um, I'm interested to see what happens because I think Morgan has Morgan is more talented than white, but obviously being younger or less experienced, he has, uh, he's can be more susceptible to making big mistakes. Mike white has played a lot of preseason games. He's played, he played eight of them with the Cowboys and was bad in all of them, if we're being <laughs> honest, but uh, he has a chance to build on that too. So right. um, you, you want to see one of these guys. It's almost more important than Zach Wilson playing well in uh, in a way uh, because in terms of now. short in terms of short term success it's more right. important. I get what you're saying, but I mean, because with, with Wilson, like we'll have the patience. You know, if he makes mistakes, whatever, we can deal with it this year. We're thinking two, three years down the line who he's going to be. But if in terms of the short term success of the team, it's really important that one of those guys look well or play well, so you can feel confident that if Wilson goes down, that it won't be a complete disaster. I still think they may add somebody at the, the 53 cut down. So it's not, I mean, but this is the opportunity to prove to the Jets brass that, that nobody has to be added. I think if it's a complete shit show after Zach Wilson leaves, um, then I think they, they will end up adding somebody. But look, if one of those guys plays well, like you said, I, I certainly can see them rolling with, with the young guys there. It would be better for James Morgan to, to ball out in preseason just because they invested a draft pick and then I don't think the Jets would cut him at this point. Who knows? Maybe they would. If you know if he gets cut, it would be the ultimate sign that it was a Adam Gase pick. But it kind of feels like he'll get another year to, and then next year, if he's not the backup quarterback, he'll get the axe. So if it's Mike White or if it's Josh Johnson or another guy, the Jets got to carry three quarterbacks, and that's somebody else getting cut from somewhere else in the roster. So best case scenario is James Morgan balls out 
uh, maybe a little less so than, than Zach Wilson. So we don't have any quarterback controversies going on, but I'm excited to watch James Morgan as weird of a sentence that that is to say um, he will make the second half of, of this preseason game. Interesting to me, Mike White, not as much, but maybe that's just my James Morgan bias. Uh, you mentioned the depth chart that was released this week a few moments ago, and I want to circle back to that. Um, first question, do you have any takeaways that we haven't touched on so far? Um, but my second question is my biggest takeaway that we talked about a little bit. You said don't read too much into it, but it was reported this week that uh, Gerard Davis is the one who wears the green dot, uh, which is you know the communication between coaches and players, that he's been playing the Mike linebacking role, and C.J. Mosley has been more the strong side linebacker. Then the, the depth chart that was released, C.J. Mosley, it, it was just listed as linebacker, but just by the way it was laid out, he was not in the middle of the three linebackers. And if you look at the backups, those were also guys who were the outside linebackers, strong side linebackers. So first, your overall thoughts on the depth chart that was released. But second, what do you think about C.J. Mosley potentially being the strong side linebacker and, and Jared Gerard Davis being the middle linebacker? Obviously, it doesn't change too much in terms of their snap counts or anything, but different roles. Well, a couple things before the linebackers. One thing that was interesting was the defensive line. And obviously, Quinn Williams and Vinnie Curry are out. So we're looking at, you know, a scenario if how would they operate, at least on this unofficial depth chart with those two guys out. And how they have it listed is Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankins, Foley Fadakasi, and John Franklin Myers. So um, it does show that if their top edge rusher, or opposite Carl Lawson, Vinnie Curry, goes out then their primary uh response to that would be to kick john franklin myers out to the edge and bring one of those other d, d tackles into the middle rather than keep franklin myers on the inside and then put bryce huff or ronald blair out there on the edge so i think it speaks a lot to what they think of john franklin myers and his ability to play that eric armstead role in this defense kind of rotating between the inside and the outside um, another thing that stood out was in the nickel, they, jav- ja- they had Javelin Gidry number one over Carter the second, although it does seem like that is a, still a tight competition based on reports. Um, but the linebackers is interesting. And in terms of the, the green dot and the, the leader or the, the headset aspect of it, um, I think there is a possibility they could just be trying it out with Davis because I, I think you can feel pretty confident in CJ Mosley to be able to handle that role because he did it for so long. Maybe they're just you know, working Davis out in that role. So if Mosley goes down, Davis can be ready to do it. Um, so, but if it, they do end up going with that, it will be interesting. Uh, it will be an interesting decision if they decide to do that. Because I feel like that leadership and communication aspect is one of the most appealing aspects of Mosley's game. And so, he's worn that green dot for his entire career. I, yeah, I don't know if I'd right. buy it yet. Yeah, and, and Jared Davis, on the other hand, last year when he had the season that kind of catapulted him to – get a pretty handsome contract for a linebacker this year in free agency or or value for one year. Um, He played less snaps last year. He was a rotational player. He was struggling as a starter his first couple of years. Then last year, and they knocked him down to about 30% of the snaps. That's when he started putting up more efficient numbers. And obviously the Jets saw something in that. Um, So it's not necessarily like he was doing this last year. Um, so it's interesting. I, I would think right now that they're just trying him out in that role and that Mosley's still going to end up doing it, but it, it, it is interesting for sure. Yeah. I think the only argument you could make if that's what they're doing is maybe they feel like Davis's physical skill set, be it that he's faster or whatnot might fit that role a little bit better, but CJ Mosley by all accounts has looked 
pretty damn good in training camp. And if you saw the one Jets drive episode from this last week, you know, his dad had me completely fired up to watch him on Saturday and the rest of the season. It'll be interesting to see how Mosley looks, you know, his first action, um, you know, pretty much since two years. I mean, I guess he played in that Patriots game a little bit, week seven of 2019, but he was, I mean, playing injured there. It's really his first game action, his real game action for a healthy CJ Mosley since that that faded uh, week one game against Buffalo. So that's another interesting storyline to watch. I mean, there's there's storylines all over this team to watch. That's what you get with a young team, a, a young team with a new coach um, and just a, a different energy around them. There, what, No matter what quarter it is, there's going to be some storyline that'll be interesting for us to watch. But let's be honest here. There's one storyline that's going to garner national attention. Um, and it's probably the most meaningful, definitely the most meaningful storyline of all the ones we've talked about. And that's Zach Wilson. Oh, I thought you were going to say the kicking battle. Oh, I mean, we can go there next, but Zach Wilson, Michael, what do you think the Jets plan is for him in this game? I mean, how much do you think they'll let him rip or how much do you think they'll try to run the ball, build up his confidence, you know, not put him in in harm's way that much. Do you think it's going to be a fairly vanilla offense or do you think they're going to try to give him some, uh, you know, real experience of NFL game action, albeit against Giants backups. I, I kind of lean towards it to let him be aggressive because that's that's been the practice mentality. They've seemed to throw a lot of the playbook at him, let him air the ball out, and be accepting of him taking chances and figuring out what he can get away with in practice. It it hasn't really been a baby sort of transition. You know, They've given him the starting job right away, and they've thrown the playbook at him, and he's – airing the ball out all over the field, even if there have been mistakes that make his completion percentage in a practice look bad, he's learning what he can and can't do. And it seems like the coaching staff has full support of him doing that and wants him to be doing it. So it's going to be fun to see if that translates to the game. Are they going to be run heavy and kind of, you know, in the, in a real game setting, even though this isn't a real game that counts, are they going to try to ease him in a little bit? especially, you know, feel out how well he's going to be protected because the last thing you want is for him to get hurt. So maybe you keep it slow to start, see how how well the O-line can hold up, and then see if they're doing well enough for you to be confident in him to air it out. Will they do something like that, or will the aggressiveness of practice carry over and they'll continue to, to give him the full extent of the playbook to call aggressive, long-developing passing plays uh, and let him just fire at will and take chances? Uh, going to be fun to see which one of those approaches that they take. But for me watching him individually, I I want to see – because I think with practice, what he's doing right now is great. I don't care about his completion percentage or the results or the production of these practices. I think it's awesome that he's going out there and he's just airing it out and trying everything and making sure that you know he establishes what – what he can do in the NFL level and what he needs to leave in college and, you know, which throws that he should feel like he can make and which windows he looks at and says, you know what, I'm going to check that down. Now is the time where you try those things. So when the game comes, you can figure that out. And that is much better than going out and practice being like, you know, I got to throw this ball away. I got to check this ball down. So my stats look good. Or so the offense can move down the field. That doesn't matter. You got to try as much as you can. So, you know, the extent of what you're capable of. And I think that's what makes his practice mentality great. So um, I want to see in the game, I, I don't care if he throws interceptions as long as they are just him being aggressive and just kind of experimenting with his capabilities. But if he throws kind of interceptions, like there's this one clip of Daniel Jones that circulated where he just 
threw it straight to a linebacker. Which I mean, that was a pretty was awful just standing there. It's like those kind of interceptions are the ones that are worrisome because then you have some serious improvements to make in terms of reading defenses and decision making. Just instinctual stuff that is tough to improve. Like Sam Darnold was never able to improve that over his three years with the Jets. We'll see if he can going forward. But that's the stuff that I think is the hardest to improve. Reading defenses, instinctual things like that is tough to improve. But yeah, it's if, it's the it, processing. It, it's that right. it's the speed if, in which you're able to go from read to so, read. So if he if he has mistakes like that, then you know maybe you can worry a little bit. And he has not necessarily worry, but you know it's something that is you know a legitimate problem that he might take a few years to sort of figure out. But if he's throwing interceptions because you know he's just trying to fit balls into tight windows downfield, he knows what he's looking at, but he's just being aggressive. Then I'm totally okay with that, and I want him to do that because now is the time to make those mistakes so you can just establish like that muscle memory and that understanding in your head of like, I see this, I can do that. That's the throw I should try. Right. I see this. That's something I shouldn't try. I want him to do that right now. So yeah, I'd love I, to see him play great, but I, I want him to keep doing what he's been doing in practice. I, I mean, I have a bit of a different perspective. I get what you're saying. I think in practice, that's certainly the time to air it out. I think taking care of the ball though, is going to be an important thing for him this year. And it's going to be the difference between the Jets winning and losing a lot of games. I think, you know, he only threw three interceptions last year, and I think one of them was on a Hail Mary or something. So I think that he uh, – but I, and I think that's, the, you know, the ceiling for him is that he can be a low turnover, high-volume guy. But I think that he will probably throw a good amount of interceptions this year. You could just see it in the green and white scrimmage. The hope – like what you're saying is that he's not just completely misreading a defense or having blind spots. It's that, you know, he's a beat late or that he's trying to force it into a tight window or interceptions like that being aggressive. That's, that's, that's fine. But taking care of the football is going to be something that let's be honest, has not been a strength of any of the jets quarterbacks since Chad Pennington. I mean, it's been a long time since the jets have had a quarterback could manage the game and take care of it, take care of the ball. I'm not just saying you, you want Zach Wilson to be a game manager, but there's a line there of being aggressive, but being smart. Um, and I think that he should display some, I, I guess he should just display a little bit of pulling back on some throws. You know, he's, he's had the opportunity in practice to learn what he can and can't get away with. It's going to be different in a game. Obviously if he throws an interception, it's not the end of the world, but you know, I would like him to see, look, if there's double coverage and he thinks he can maybe squeeze it down the sideline, I don't know, maybe just take the open check down, you know, take what the defense gets you. That's an important lesson as well. It's obviously it's important to learn what you can, can and can't get away with at the speed of the NFL game, but it's also important knowing when to let a play die and to check it down and get positive yards and keep the chains moving. So I think that is something, but I mean, for me, it's not really the TDs, the interceptions, the yards, the, the two things that I'm going to be looking forward the most with him. One, it is going to be the timing. You know, it does seem like he's, you know, BYU, he had the luxury of having five seconds in the pocket every play. And that was what we've talked about in this podcast with a lot of other people talked about is how he's going to adjust to a live pass rush. Cause in the NFL, he's not going to get that. He's going to get two seconds, three seconds. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing his timing on some throws, seeing the, the, you know, throwing with anticipation, throwing a receiver open rather than seeing a receiver open, throwing it to him. And by that point, it's too late. Um, and stepping up in the pocket too, you know, obviously it's those fadeaway throws using your entire arm. Those are cool and whatnot and throwing off platform, rolling out. That's great. But something that Sam Darnold was supposedly going to be really good at coming out of college was, you know, this innate feel for the game, this real Ben Roethlisberger vibe. And I think he had a bit of it his rookie year, but when you put in front of him and a terrible offensive line his first three years and, 
you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but he clearly, especially after the seeing ghost game developed mental scars and he did, he lost that feel. He never really got a chance to get that natural feel of the game, the natural feel of the pocket. If he felt any sort of pressure, he, you, you could see it in him. He looks, you know, I don't want to say he looks scared, but he looked jumpy. Um, so for me, I, you're looking to see Zach Wilson be calm in the pocket, have moments where he steps up. Maybe he does take a hit. Uh, and certainly, you know, that timing on those, those, those routes is going to be important. The aggressiveness. I agree with you, Michael, it's better that he gets it out now, but I think it is, it, it'll be important for him to see, for me, it'll be important to see him check it down every once in a while, get positive yards and, and limit those turnovers. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. I think that's a, a, another really good way to look at it because this is a real game setting now. So it is an opportunity to translate what he's done in practice to, okay, go out there on a real field against an opponent and show us that you can understand when you need to check the ball down. So I think that is a good take, another way to look at it. I, I guess what I was more sort of getting at is that, you know, in the event that he does make mistakes, if they're made in that manner, right, then then it's okay. But we just don't want to see him make mistakes where it's like, wow, can he read an NFL defense? Or like, yeah. is his footwork really off? He's going to airmail throws like that. That can be problematic. But yeah. it, but like some of his green and white picks, except one of them, probably the one with Gidry. Uh, actually, all of them really were just pretty aggressive throws. And that's stuff the, like, the one, all right, the one that got dropped down. The one that got dropped by Joyner was the only one where I'd say it was the, it was the wrong read. All the other ones, it wasn't necessarily the wrong read. It was the timing. Uh, you know, right in which he threw it the guy was at open maybe when he threw it but at that point he, he was not open so you got to learn to throw with that anticipation right so that stuff is correctable so ultimately you know if he's making mistakes based on that we're okay with it but I, but i do agree with you i think that's a great way to look at it that this is now in the real game or on on, on against a live pass rush against right. another team a good opportunity to show that what you're trying to get out of practice that understanding of your capabilities that you can translate to the real field so so I do agree with that take on your part. I think the Jets should give him at least – I mean, I, I think the Jets in terms of their play calling should be aggressive. I think he shouldn't – I think, you know, he's going to have practice all year. He's going to have a, hopefully a long NFL career. That comfortableness of when he can try stuff in a game is going to come there, uh, is going to come with experience. Uh, obviously, you want it to be aggressive, but I think the Jets themselves should do a good job of set, you know, setting up the run and then utilizing that play action, and then maybe taking some shots with him, but design shots, not necessarily him, you know, forcing the ball. Um, I'm obviously super excited to watch Zach play and watch the rest of this team play. In general, in these, Michael, we we might do a, a game prediction. I feel like it's kind of useless because it's preseason because the Giants aren't aren't playing. So, in exchange, let's do. A, a you know one big prediction you have for the game or i guess if you have a few but predictions about the game who cares about the score who cares about the outcome but predictions for zach wilson and, and the rest of the bunch I'm, I'm trying to think what comes to mind first i think some random receiver is going to have a really good game i feel like that's a preseason fixture how, how about jeff smith goes for a touchdown and over 70 yards that was like the lamest prediction you could have given. That's preseason. I know, That's but we wanted happens, a Zach though. Wilson or a Carl Lawson. I mean, Jeff all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Zach Wilson prediction. So I, he's going to play, I think, one quarter or a couple of drives. I guess it depends on how the oh, game big, flows. Big prediction there. Where'd you, where'd you get that one from? Well, I'm just laying it out. It's not my prediction. <laughs> I'm laying out. I'm setting the table, and then I'm going to yank the tablecloth off. That's going to be my big reveal. So Zach Wilson, two drives. So I guess he'll probably throw like 10 passes. I say he'll go seven for 10 with 80 yards 
and touchdown. Oh, to he does get a touchdown. Okay. Touchdown to Corey Davis. I, you know, I, it's walking this line of being a fan and not being a fan. I do think he throws a touchdown as well. I, I'll put it this way. I think he leads a touchdown drive. So, um, I, you know, I think you're right. He probably throws about 10 to 15 passes. I, if he's struggling, I think Robert Sala will give him, you know, I don't think he's going to give him the full first half, but if he's struggling or those two drives are like a lot like the green and white scrimmage. I mean, you saw it in the green and white scrimmage where they went farther than they planned to just to keep giving Zach the reps. I could see him playing into the second quarter. Um, I don't really think that happens. I do think he maybe gets a series in the second quarter. So that would be three ish series. And I think one of those does end in a touchdown. I think overall a, a pretty solid performance. I mean, again, it is preseason and it is against the giants backup. So it's a favorable matchup for him. Um, as far as the rest of the team, I think Carl Lawson gets a sack. I think if we're going to go with the scrub prediction, I'm going to say Mike White has a day. I'm going to say Mike White has a, a touchdown pass and another touchdown drive. So I think Mike White is, is going to look good in the preseason game. I don't know why. Maybe it's the eight games of being bad as a preseason backup. It's going to come, you know, pay dividends. But um, I'm feeling pretty good about that prediction. Well, actually, I got, I got another one. Oh, God. So apparently the Giants, just, just finding this out now. The Giants' backup center is Jonathan Harrison. So I'm oh, going to go two sacks for Jonathan Marshall. Is Jonathan Marshall even playing? Oh, you're right. He probably isn't playing. So oh, I'm, I'm awful prediction. Up. What are you talking? He's, yeah, he's, he's not even practicing. That makes it even an even better prediction. He's just going to come out on the field like Willis <laughs> Reed, just pull out two sacks. Um, I mean, all right, so I'll, I'll change it up. How about Nathan Shepard? Yeah, Nathan <laughs> Shepard. I, I, yeah, maybe Nathan Shepard is a big game. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. A little bit of a shorter podcast here. Um, but let's be honest. I mean, this game is, is about watching the team develop, watching Zach Wilson develop, who cares who, who wins or loses. Um, really exciting time. Um, and finally football's here. I mean, Michael, it feels like ages ago, we did this pod, that podcast with Connor Rogers, where Robert Sala got hired in the middle of the podcast and we freaked out. Um, it's, it's been a long time since that moment. Um, and finally, just going to hit the field again at MetLife on Saturday. So really excited about that, everybody. Um, you can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nanny and myself at Ben W. Blessington. JetsXFactor.com, the best place to go for Jets content. Um, am I missing? Oh, uh, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Michael, any last words before we get out of here? Um, look out for Jeff Smith tomorrow. That's my random receiver breakout prediction. The Mike White to Jeff Smith connection should be strong on Saturday. Everybody have a great weekend. Go Jets. Let's hope for no injuries this Sunday, this Saturday. It's never, it's never fully the case, but let's just hope for a, for a light injury, um, you know, an injury free uh, Saturday. Everybody have a great weekend. Go Jets.